The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. All right, this is very similar to who's on first. So uh, <laughs> let's try and sort it out for you. As you've been hearing all day long on our station, 630 Chad, the federal government uh, is planning to spend $4.5 billion to buy the Trans Mountain Pipeline and all of Kinder Morgan's Canada's core assets. In return, Kinder Morgan will go ahead with its original plan to twin the pipeline this summer, despite BC's opposition to the project. Now, we've been hearing lots of reaction to today's announcement with with more reaction. We're joined by Markham Hislop, the publisher of Energy News. Markham, welcome to the show. Uh, Happy to be here. How are you folks? Really good. good. So let's start with this. What was your reaction when you heard the news today? Were you surprised? No, uh, the purchase of the assets by the Canadian government has been uh, rumored for a while. And uh, it was becoming increasingly obvious that the government was not going to take legislative or regulatory actions to assert its authority over the over the pipeline and that and i think as time went on the purchase of the assets uh... by a crown corporation became almost inevitable well this is something that's been done before but it didn't appear as though this was what in my mind at least what was going to be done this time albertans particularly calling on prime minister trudeau to assert his authority and just go ahead and let private money build it at what point do you think that became impossible well from my point of view look i've interviewed a number of constitutional experts on this uh, point including uh, professor james coleman of the deadman school of law and it's very clear that under the section 92 uh, 10a of the constitution that the federal government has jurisdiction over interprovincial pipelines and there's about 60 plus years of uh, of legal precedent that backs that up so, but what happened here, it's not so much the jurisdiction over, the federal jurisdiction over the pipeline, is that B.C. was trying to expand provincial jurisdiction, uh, and especially the, the regulation, the infamous point five, that uh, where the B.C. government wanted to restrict Dilbit shipments within the existing pipeline and in, within Trans Mountain expansion. A clear violation of, of federal, federal jurisdiction. And that was just going to go on forever. I think both the company and the Canadian government arrived at the uh, conclusion that BC wasn't going to stop, and and it wasn't going to stop harassing the project. <laughs> and this was a way to assert federal authority. And yet they've said again today, BC saying it's not uh, planning to back down on this. Do they have anything left in their back pocket? Uh, it, that's a that's a really good question. I mean, what does BC do uh, if it loses uh, this particular fight? Has it lost the the war, or has it just lost this battle? So what they did is uh, they, this point five, whether or not they can restrict uh, Dilbit shipments in a pipeline, they referred it to the BC Supreme Court. It's a reference question to settle that jurisdictional issue, and the court will you know, uh, will decide when it decides. It'll be a number of months probably before we get a decision. But let's say that that goes against the B.C. government and for the federal government, and my experts think that, in fact, that that's what will happen. What next do they pull out of their pocket? Because Horgan has said, uh, and I should back up a little bit, when they, the B.C. NDP, when they were running in the campaign last year, ran very hard against the pipeline. Then they got in, and George Heyman, the climate minister, admitted about a month, month and a half ago in, in a committee meeting 
on the record, he said that the government had received legal advice that as a province it could not stop the project. It could not contradict federal approval. So then what it did is it shifted gears and it went into protect the coast mode. And everything became about passing regulations to increase, to decrease the likelihood of a Dilbit spill, whether, whether it's on the pipeline or whether it's uh, in, a, in a tanker off the West Coast. And so conceivably, they could just keep passing new regulations that then had to go to court and, and have uh, either a provincial court or a federal court, maybe even the Supreme Court, uh, decide. So that they could do that. Will they do that? I don't think we know at this point. Well, given that it's now a Government of Canada operation, though, does that not preclude B.C. from certain constitutional challenges? Our Premier saying that the uh, Government of Canada has certain uh, privilege when it comes to these kind of challenges. That's a very good question, and, and uh, while I respect, I mean, the Premier's a lawyer, and, and she probably has more insight into this than I do, but my experts think that that's not a settled question. And th- what it comes down to is that we're still stuck in the impasse where the, the B.C. government is asserting, asserting its regulatory uh, authority, uh, trying to expand it, but the government already has all the authority it needs to stop that, and it, it delegates its authority through the National Energy Board and through the National Energy Board Act of 1959. So the NEB is also a superior court. The, the, it can rule as a court on, uh, on issues of uh, constitutional jurisdiction, as it, as it did with the Burnaby tree cutting permits back in uh, December. It can do all of those things, and it has all the authority that if the, uh, the proponent, whether it's Kinder Morgan or it's the government, the Crown Corporation, if they come to the NEB, to the regulator, and say, Burnaby is dragging his feet on giving us a permit, the B.C. government is dragging his feet on giving us a permit or an approval, the NEB can give them relief from that. They can say, okay, you know what, we agree with you, and you don't have to do that. Uh, you can just go ahead and we'll give you the permit. The problem with that is it's a procedure and a process that's very convoluted and very time-consuming, and that's really what the B.C. government and Burnaby have been trying to do is eat up the clock. So my, what I think should happen is that the federal government still needs to bring in a let, uh, an amendment to the NEB Act so that they can streamline that process and allow the NEB to intervene and issue permits and get the project moving in a more timely fashion. Boy, oh boy, this has just been convoluted since, yeah. since day one, Markham. Um, you know, they, they talk about buying this and then we'll turn around and try to uh, sell it down the road. Um, are there other interests, any possible buyers that you've heard of? Uh, Finance Minister Bill Morneau in his speech today uh, repeated the, uh, the point that there, are, there is interest from private buyers and there is interest from investors, including the Canada Pension Plan, Mm -hmm. that's been met with a lot of skepticism. And Mm -hmm. I I think until somebody, a company actually steps forward and says, yes, we're one of the suitors, that people will continue to be skeptical. But there's another issue here that that, uh, needs to be raised from my point of view. Uh, A couple of weeks ago, the Canadian Energy Research Institute, which is based in Calgary, uh, issued a, a study in which it looked at oil sands uh, supply costs and forecast how much the output from the oil sands is going to grow. And that output could grow by 4.8 million barrels a day between now and 2038, in just 20 years. That's a lot of, that's almost 10 pipelines worth. 
Oui. So we really need we need to get this one behind us, and then we start very quickly need to ask ourselves the question: Where do we build the next? Who builds them? <laughs> and where do we build them? Does anybody want to build another pipeline to Burnaby? I don't well, think yeah. so. Does <laughs> yeah. anybody want to build a pipeline through Quebec? After I don't this think mess, so. right? So we need to get this issue resolved, and we need to get the bigger issue resolved. Alberta needs that issue resolved. This is uh, Markham Hislop, uh, publisher of Energy News we're uh, talking to. So, Markham, I feel a little bit like I'm signing up for a cell phone plan here. (laughs) It's uh, $4.5 billion uh, is the commitment to buy uh, Trans Mountain Pipeline and all of Kinder Morgan's uh, core assets, but that's not the cost, the total cost, is it? Well, the Trans Mountain expansion uh, is pegged at around 7.4 billion and that's likely to you know it's likely to cost more than that uh, by the time the project is finished and it's not clear at least not clear to me anyway uh, how much of the 4.5 billion dollars uh, includes uh, money that the uh, trans, uh, Kinder Morgan has already spent on Trans Mountain expansion so we're talking big numbers here uh, Alberta is going to put in 2 billion as a uh, sort of a reserve fund uh, if it's if it's required over the summer, and the thinking is that what the uh, uh, when the, between now and August when the deal closes, the gov- Canadian government will do whatever it, it takes to get Kinder Morgan back the crew you know fire up the bulldozers and get the crews back to work, and then after August once construction is underway and e- either it's built or it's almost built, then the Canadian government will go out and try to shop it around and uh, and sell it. Wow. Can you give us, uh, you know, so let me start over here, Markham. <laughs> it is like a cell plan. It's a little confusing at times. Uh, First Nations, how many uh, First Nations have signed off on this? How many are still against it? And, you know, there was a lot uh, being raised today about uh, the Notley government, the Trudeau government, and their their pledge to reconciliation and the impact that this could have on that. That's a really good question, and I don't know that there's uh. a hard and fast answer. Certainly on the opposition side, the, um, uh, the Slayotooth, which is the, the indigenous community around the Burrard Inlet, is leading the Metro Vancouver protest movement. The Coastal Nations, uh, First Nations as a, as a rule, are, are opposed. But then there are a number of interior First Nations and Métis communities and so on that have signed on. They were first said to be 44, and then a couple have come forward and said, well, you know, we're still on the fence. But, you know, if we said 35 or 40, we're probably mm-hmm. probably in the ballpark. And what that does is it raises a very interesting uh, political and legal question. If you've got some First Nations opposed and some First Nations uh, uh, in favor, whose who's Indigenous rights actually trump yeah. whose? Yeah. So one of the things, and, and this is, again, this is something that, that we, the government needs to think about and Canadians need to think about. If there's a Canadian Crown Corporation involved in these pipelines, they could arrange as part of their indig- you know, reconciliation, as a part of getting building support with NBC, they could get them to, to buy equity, or they could give them equity. Mm-hmm. So this gets... Boy, if you think this is convoluted now, <laughs> just wait month or two or six Aish. as we begin to explore how this is all going to unfold. It we ain't seen nothing yet. Yeah, and you know what? The other thing that keeps uh, popping through my mind is that the federal government, as a 
in a, pol- a political sense, has to sell this. I mean, first of all, Kinder Morgan has to sell it to the shareholders, and that's not been done yet. But assuming that goes through, and I'm, I'm sure it will, and now the, the Prime Minister and his party has to sell this concept. So, again, just to review, so they have to sell the fact that that they did as much as they could to get it built in the first place. And then they wrote the check in order to get it built. And that was their form of leadership. And that, uh, hey, it's going to be a great investment down the road for other companies to buy into once it's complete because it's a moneymaker. A a lot of that actually contradicts itself because if it's a moneymaker and if uh, the federal government is the uh, investor, why wouldn't they just keep it? I, I think the federal government, uh, their reckoning has not come yet, because I've, I began uh, when, when the federal government, uh, the Trudeau government, uh, took office and started on their pipeline process, it looked pretty good. I, I thought it was fine, and I thought they were going to be uh, really handle the file well. And they actually did up until, I'd say, probably uh, late 2016 and in, into 2017. Uh, and then the wheels started to come off. You know, we had bills, eventually we had Bill C-69 in the modernization uh, process, and then we had, you know, Energy East uh, packed it in. That was a billion-dollar uh, black eye for the, for the Canadian government. But I think my criticism of the Trudeau government is that when, Hor- the, when the, the BCNDP formed government in the summer of 2017, they knew they were in for a fight. Mm-hmm. There was, there was, nobody thought that, that Horgan, backed by Andrew Weaver, was not going to fight this project. And yet, as far as we can tell, they really did nothing. Aside from the, the Prime Minister occasionally asserting that, you know, pi- the pipeline would be built, mm-hmm. there was no, it doesn't appear that there was an attempt to negotiate or build local support or to do something to head off the eventuality that we find ourselves at now. And I think at the end of the day, uh, that's still going to come home to bite the Prime Minister. I'm sure you're right. Before we let you go, Markham, and you've been very gracious with your time this afternoon, much appreciated. A lot of our listeners wanting to know, uh, given that Kinder Morgan is a U.S. company, is that $4.5 billion U.S. dollars or Canadian dollars? Oh, that's a good question. But I, I think it's Canadian dollars because in all of the government material that we've reviewed so far, uh, it didn't specify uh, whether it was or not, and that usually means it's the default, which yeah. is Canadian currency. My final question for you, Mark. Um, uh, Premier Notley and uh, Justin Trudeau and, and uh, Prime Minister Trudeau saying wants construction to start immediately now that this is uh, where it is. What would immediate look like? <laughs> That's a good question, and I haven't seen anybody uh, answer the answer it yet. Okay. Uh, my guess is that um, uh, probably a couple of weeks. Uh, I mean, hmm. it'll take a little while to get the crews back in the field and fire up the bulldozers. My understanding is that some work has continued in Alberta, and so that might uh, begin uh, a little quicker. But uh, certainly the, the, minister, uh, the finance minister made it very clear that they did this deal when they did because they wanted Kinder Morgan to be able to take full advantage of the summer construction season. So I think they'll be moving in a timely fashion. How much work has been done on it? 
Uh, sorry, I couldn't. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. That. Okay. Not a, Thanks. Something I've reported on. Yeah, so no worries. Yeah, I believe they've uh, posted some signs saying "future home of." I think that's about <laughs> it. Uh, you know, the one good news for all of us uh, on this call is that uh, in a summer where oftentimes there's not a lot of great topics to dig into, there is today. Uh, yeah, there is today, and will be for weeks ahead. Uh, it's Markham Mahislap. We've been talking to publisher of Energy News. Uh, thank you so much for your time this afternoon. Really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, folks. Thanks, Markham. So we're talking Kinder Morgan. We're talking about the news today that the federal government going to spend $4.5 billion to buy the Trans Mountain Pipeline. Lots of texts coming in at 6.30, And on the phone, Spencer has been waiting patiently. Hi, Spencer. How you doing, Jill and Andrew? Good. Good What's on your mind? So I'm happy that the pipeline is getting built, but I'm sad that we needed to spend tax dollars to do it. Yeah, you're not alone Um, with that. With uh, Saskatchewan, they're not, they don't have a, a, um, a carbon tax, so the federal government said, well, we'll make you pay one, but in the meantime, you're going to get less federal transfer payments or, or programs from us because you don't have a carbon tax. So then why can't BC use this, or why can't the federal government use the same standard and say, listen, BC, if you don't want to build the pipeline, that's fine, but you're going to get less money from us until you build the pipeline. Well, I think you're going to have a hard time convincing anybody who lives in Alberta that the Liberal government did a good job on this file over the past several months. It was The as Liberals res- or the NDP, let's be real. Honestly, yeah. I mean, well, the NDP to a lesser extent, because the provincial NDP can only do as much as they can do over federal, uh, you know, jurisdiction. It was the, it, you know what, here's how I see it. You try out for a team, but you're not good enough to make the team, so your dad just buys the team and makes you the pitcher, right? I mean, <laughs> the other way to do it would have been to get better at making the mm-hmm. team, right? Yep. This is not the this is not the ideal way to solve this problem no. at all, but at some point, this was the only... Something had to be done. Yeah, this was the only option left, so it's hard, right? As I say, it, it would be hard for any Albertan, I think, to say, if you're reasonably, you know, you're a reasonable fellow, that the Liberals have not done the right thing now, but they've done the right thing now as a result of doing nothing for so long. And you're right. I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot of tools in the toolkit, like equalization, transfer payments. There was, I mean, you can send the army in. I mean, there's you have a ton of tools, and none of them were used other than this pipeline will get built. I just feel like money's not the answer to every problem. I feel like there's other ways you can do it. Like, you can use a carrot or you can use a stick. In this case, maybe you should use the stick because the carrot is the economic growth. <laughs> but, uh, I don't know. I'm just I'm just frustrated. I I, like- I'm frustrated, too. I honestly wish, and I don't know that it was even possible, but from my perspective, and I'm sure I'm not alone on this, I wish that our provincial government had rushed to turn the tops off. Spencer, thanks for the phone call. Appreciate it. Always great to hear from you. Richard, we have about a minute left. What's on your mind? Oh, thanks for taking my call. I'll make a quick few points. I think it's, I, I'm definitely not against the pipeline. We, we need to bring in this revenue. Canada is approaching a $2 trillion deficit, $1.98. Um, it sets a negative precedence because we're basically saying uh, if any of these big corporations rattle their saber, they're we'll just rush in and buy it. So what? who's who's next in line to sit, threaten to pull out and we're going to buy it? The taxpayers are paying for it. So I'm hoping there's going to be a return on this investment. And one final thought, Denmark has a almost $1 trillion trust fund of their own around oil. 
why are we $2 trillion in debt in Canada? And all of these resources, if they were to liquidate that tomorrow, every man, woman, and child in Denmark would be a millionaire. Richard, always great to hear from you calling in from Calling Lake this afternoon. You talk about, and you have talked about, you know, investor confidence mm-hmm. and what does this do? What has the, the, the past few weeks done to it? What does this move Absolutely. do to investor confidence as well? A reminder, tomorrow between 3 and 4 o'clock in the afternoon, we'll get you on the phone at 4960063. Your opportunity to let the folks of BC hear your thoughts. We'll be doing a simulcast radio show with Linda Steele at CKNW. And I just want to say real quickly because we'll switch gears after the top of the hour um, the Conference Board of Canada Mm -hmm. came out with a report Tuesday and with regard to uh, the economic forecast for Alberta uh, that we will continue to grow but at a much weaker rate than was first anticipated and that's to your point of investment confidence. People are not, companies are not investing, they're waiting to see how this gets worked out, and they have waited to see. It has already cost us much more money than we can even determine. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.